For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a social media examiner production. I'm Eric Fisher and my host, well, I guess she is now. She's my co-host, Grace <laughs> Duffy, and this is the show for marketers looking to stay on the leading edge of social media. We bring you expert opinions about the relevant social media news and how it impacts you. On this week's show, we will explore updates to the Facebook group privacy settings with Dana Mallstaff and new chat features being tested on Twitter with Madeline Sklar. Before we get to that, I want to remind you, this episode is brought to you by the Facebook Ads Summit 2019. It's a live online event for any marketer who wants to get better results from Facebook ads. Join us September 9th through 13th as 10 of the world's top Facebook ad pros share their proven techniques to help you craft better ads, implement innovative ad strategies, and refine your ads based on smart testing and analysis. You'll learn Facebook ad funnels from Dennis Yu, how to target cold traffic from Molly Pittman. Mari Smith will teach you about using live video for ads, as well as Amanda Bond, Facebook ads, regular guest expert for this social media marketing talk show. And she'll be talking about how to convert fans into paying customers with Instagram ads. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more. Anyway, the Facebook ads summit, you've got to be there. Find out more at socialmediaexaminer.com slash FB19. All right, let's get into this first segment here. Let me introduce our guest. Dana Malstaff is a Facebook groups and community building expert, and she is a business consultant, entrepreneur, and founder of Boss Mom. Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So this is something that at first glance, people started to freak out about uh, about a week ago. And there was this public official, you know, Facebook announces that they are changing the way that groups visibility and privacy is going to work. And of course, when the words Facebook and privacy come into play, <laughs> people start paying attention recently for some reason. I have no idea why. So Grace, why don't you give us a quick rundown of what this factual news is, and then we can discuss this. Just the facts here. Yes. So Facebook updated the language describing the visibility and privacy of groups. So the company determined that the language that currently describes the visibility of groups, which was private, closed, or secret, were not as clear as they ought to be. And so now groups have been labeled either public or private. And then within that designation, I think some are considered to be visible and some are considered to be hidden. A little bit of a slight distinction. And so they're saying that groups that were once 
previously closed or secret will now share the designation of private and only members who are in the group will see what's being posted. Groups that were previously closed will be seen as visible. Secret will be seen as hidden. And then, of course, public groups will be open to anyone. So, Dana, what is the significance of this update and what's the significance for Facebook and what's the significance for the typical user? Yeah. So interestingly, I I think that really it's helping. They want more people starting groups. So who it's really helping are the people who start groups and don't know how to start groups the right way. Because what people didn't realize is before they would start a secret group, right? Thinking that it's this place and, but they don't know it's not searchable. And there's this weird glitchy sort of thing that happens where most of the time, unless you're actually friends with the person that you want to invite, you can't even get them into the group. So secret groups are a huge pain for in the butt for everybody. And so, and what people don't also realize is that you actually want even your closed groups, even the ones where maybe somebody pays to be for a program and they get a group as a bonus. You want those to be visible because everybody who sees that visibility, it's a marketing tag, right? That says, Hey, I saw that. I know that exists. Some people will ask to join that group. And then you actually have leads, qualified potential prospects to join programs to say, Oh, this is closed, but let me go over here. So you don't want to close off the world from the things you offer. So what I think they're trying to do is they're really trying to create an ease of opening and starting groups the right way, because they're putting so much effort into groups and communities and so many cool features that they're now putting out for admins to help run and manage groups. Um, that I think the goal is for people to understand that secret means it's hidden. Nobody sees it. Don't do it unless you really want to. Mm-hmm. Everybody should really, in my opinion, open a closed group, which just means that it's searchable. So if somebody searched for Boss Mom, they can find it, but it means that it has to be approved in order to enter. A public group is... In my opinion, you have no control over it. It's basically like letting a bunch of kids out on a playground and not parenting any of them. Um, and I think that that's a it, that never leads to anything good. It all is so unless you just want to open a space that you intend on walking away from and never getting any benefit from financially or you know authority or clout wise, then open a public group. Otherwise, closed groups the way to go all the way, and they're just making it a little bit easier for the new people to understand how that functions. In in my opinion. I can't see any other reason why they're doing, they're making these tiny changes. And I think they put out these, you know, put something out and then everybody freaks out and you're like, and then a week from now, everybody's going to realize it really doesn't make a huge difference for anybody. You kind of touched on this, but I just want to clarify for the audience. So is there a benefit for a company with a public face and presumably an active social media presence or else, you know, why would you be going from a page to group and doing all that to have a private group? Like what are some of the benefits of having a private group as opposed to just having a public group, as opposed to like, you know, assuming that there's moderation, right? Because you don't well, want it to be a playground. <laughs> well, in some ways, yes. Uh, it, there are topics that people want to get together about, say you're a single mom or from an abused relationship or something where you don't want to be public about the topic with which you're talking, where mm-hmm. a very small group of people want to get together and, and be very secretive in their conversation. Um, and I think Facebook wants to, to understand that we no longer live next to each other. We no longer, you know, are going to these community centers and spaces 
physically like we used to back in the day. And Facebook has become our community center. And so some of those community centers need to be completely private. You know, there are potentially secret groups for alcoholics, for people with, uh, you know, other situations that they don't want their friends to know they're a part of. They don't want it to, you know, they don't want anybody to know it exists. They want it to be completely off the radar. Mm -hmm. And I think Facebook understands that those exist. But for most of us in the entrepreneurial world, there is no reason to start a private group. So as far as somebody uh, first attempting, maybe they understood the distinctions between the three sections or the, sorry, public, closed, and secret prior to this change. Now they have to enter in and say, first they have to say public or private. And then if they choose private, they have to pick visible or what's the other one? Hidden. Hidden. And that's just the workflow now that you've got to get in your head. Do you think that distinction is going to change how you approach community building in a Facebook group if you were starting a new one? No, because I, like I said, I would make it closed and I would always make it visible because even if it's a paid program that they're getting for, you know, we have, we have our large group and then we have smaller groups um, and we have paid groups, right? The group is so big for us now that we're siphoning ideal clients for particular programs into pop-up groups, which is a whole nother tactic. Yes. We talk about a whole different time, but the, you know, the, the idea is we always want to be visible. So in, in the process of, if you have a business and you want people to know that business exists and you want people to end up buying your stuff and thinking you're awesome, then you have a closed visible group because it allows you to monitor and really you know, cultivate the culture of that group, but it also allows other people to find you and every single touch point where somebody is more familiar and more familiar with who you are and that you exist and what you do, the more likely they are to make decisions in your favor. Yeah. There's definitely a benefit there for others who aren't in the group to have FOMO about being in that group. They see the title of the group. They see the description. They even see potentially Mm -hmm. who of their friends are in there and they're not in there. And that's good for a business to have the, that yeah. fear of missing out. Yeah. And and the one thing too is, is with this change, the one thing people really need to make sure they're coupling with this decision about, you know, being closed, but visible is that your three questions, they give you three questions and they recently did updates to the questions that give you the ability to actually select the kind of question. Is it an answer, a checkbox, a dropdown? And so because of that, we, we've been given more control. You really want to be clear about who you want in that group. There's, you know, I see a lot of people kind of being willy nilly about about their questions when they come in. And if you have a group that's specific to a certain kind of people, then one, you need to make sure they understand what the rules are and that you, you know, how you, how you run the group. Right. And then for us, we take an email. If they give us about 60% of people take an email. And then the third one should be a clarifying question so that you know, if they're the right fit for the group. And that's generally that if you're going to, if you're going to have a closed group that's visible, make sure that as people start to find you and you get interviewed on podcasts and people start to randomly come upon you in different ways that you know, you have a way to, to really be systematic and strategic about understanding that the right people are coming into the group. Otherwise it becomes difficult to manage and then it stops being fun. And who wants to do things that aren't fun? Yeah. (laughs) Well, so I hear you FOMO of a group that means making it visible or available in search. But Mm -hmm. do you think there's any benefit to a company or a brand having a private group? Uh, You mean just a private group in general? Yeah. In in the new terms? Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, I think there are levels of engagement, right? And there's levels of loyalty. And part of the cool thing about Facebook groups is we can tear out that, that engagement and that loyalty. Cause you may have the people that are the lurkers in a space and you may have, but if you can have a high engagers, hot people that are, you know, vying for your products that they want to get in, they're the ones that get in and like discuss features and get in deep. You can make them feel extra special and amazing by, by allowing them to be in this other group. So I'm a big believer that, that you should have more is as your business gets bigger and your community gets broader, you should have more than one group because the big group is this place to pull everybody in where everybody gets excited about this big feature. And then you can have offshoots on with secret groups um, or private groups. See, it's hard to like get them all right. with private groups. <laughs> we're going to get this right with private groups that allow you to talk about specific products to talk about a launch that's coming up. Uh, a company might decide to have, they want to have a grassroots marketing you know, campaign with all of their biggest fans. And they create a group for that, a secret group for that particular fan, uh, fan base where they all get in and they give them special sneak peeks of things beforehand to ramp it up and get excited so that they can go out on social media when the thing launches and they have a better launch. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of instances where I think even larger companies or you know, bigger name entrepreneurs can find ways and even smaller entrepreneurs with book launches and podcast launches can have these um, sorts of groups that allow them to do one specific thing. Um, and then they can decide to keep it open or close it. I'm actually a big believer that we should stop thinking about Facebook groups as some perpetual thing that never goes away and start leveraging them as a space to gather people and make a conscious decision about how long we want to gather those people. And then when we want them to disperse and do something else. Like a flash mob. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we are popping really, really well. Awesome. Yep. Okay, so there was other Facebook group news. Facebook is removing chats in Facebook groups. Uh, oh, they removed them. Yeah. They're gone. Oh, well, they did remove Thank them. God. Yes, they announced it. And yes. now, that now, as of yesterday, all existing yep. chats within Facebook groups will cease. So, Dana, were you using Facebook group chats at all? No. And I think it was something that Facebook tried and realized the error in of, of its ways. And the reason why is because as, as someone who own, you know, has a face, I don't own a Facebook group. God, wouldn't that be nice? Yes. But I, <laughs> as somebody who has, who Facebook has graciously allowed me to have a Facebook group. Um, and we're, we're just tapping about 42,000. Now we get about a hundred people a day into this group. Now our admins go through and we constantly delete stuff right? We have a very easy system. It only takes about 30 minutes a day really for us to go because we're really good about, about managing this space, which is super important. Now imagine that we have to also manage all the other things that people are doing, right? Because this is my brand. This is my, this is my name. If people are doing mean things, which totally happens, if people say something horrible, if they, you know, post something that's inappropriate, all of those things, I need to be able to understand what's happening. So I love dating analogies and parenting analogies. So it's like allowing your kid to bring their boyfriend over and go in the room and lock the door. <laughs> right? You have no yeah. idea what's happening over there, yeah. but it's in your house. So, so I think a lot of people just like me were like, I can't even let that in. Like I, it, it's already a job to manage this group and yeah. keep it the way I want. That door stays open, honey. You guys, you guys either have <laughs> conversations here or you leave this group and leave the house. So it's not on me <laughs> if somebody <laughs> makes a bad decision. And I think that's, that's an important way. To, and I think they realized that, that admins were not excited about it in a way they thought they would be. Um, and it, and it kind of came in one of those features that came and went. Interesting. 
do you think that there's a benefit to members being able to have private interactions either with you and the other facilitators of the group or with each other in a group? Or is that just something, again, like you're saying, is yet another thing Facebook group managers have to manage because it's your group's reputation and your reputation if something goes south there? Yeah, I do think it would be it would be great if, you know, you basically have these groups and you're on Facebook and you've got your page and you've got your personal, but you've got all these things. And then you have one messenger. Um, I do think at some point, if they're really groups are really their thing, they will start distinguishing a particular kind of messenger or thread or a folder or something where we would know what messages for a particular face group. They're, they're like linked and tagged in that way, because I do think it's hard to decipher things that are coming from different groups versus places I want to be as Dana or as, you know, as an entrepreneur versus the things I manage. So I do think in the future of groups being really important and they're continuing to put things out that help admins of groups that they'll start to find a way to siphon off the things you get in your feed and the things that you manage in messenger that are based on you. And then the things that are based on you man of what you manage. And that, that would be really helpful because we do get a lot of messages um, from people about, can they post something? Can they do something? But we also, they, you know, the features where they allow people to flag content is really helpful, you know, and the way and the, you know, people tagging things and stuff like that. We, we generally haven't seen much of a problem, but I am really liking a lot of the admin components and capabilities that they're adding in that make our lives as admins easier, because I think they were seeing that people were shutting down their Facebook groups because it was overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, when it's hard to manage and hard to keep everybody in line, um, and then you just give up, like that's not, that's not a good thing for them. So I think they're, they're realizing that in order for groups to thrive, it's not just about creating engagement. It's about giving admins all the tools they need to run a really great group. Right. Well, and, and hopefully, I mean, this was only around for, let's say, what, what was it? October of last year is when they announced it and or rolled it out. I mean, from then till now here in August, that's just under a year. Something came out, they tried it. They see it's not really being used. And I want to say like good on Facebook for rolling yep. with and or removing something that just wasn't going to be helpful for most or mm -hmm. most weren't even, and they could tell, they could tell who was using it or not. And then they can yep. move on to giving group managers better and more tools to facilitate community. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's at some point too, we can totally dig into it, but some of the, yeah, some of the admin tools they're giving are cutting in half the amount of time it takes to manage groups. Yeah. Um, which is killer because, you know, when you start getting into the even 10,000, 20, that, you know, when you just start to get into that size, it just, it takes, it takes time. And I think people don't want to have to take time and the, and the, and they're, they're creating things that are making it a lot easier and informing members about violations. They, they create things like that, which is really helpful. We, yeah. All the messages we get have cut to cut in half as well. Yeah. yeah. Man, great stuff. Dana, thank you for being here. Glad to have you on this show for the first time. We will definitely have you back as they continue to talk about new features and functions rolling out for Facebook groups. I want to make sure to mention that people can connect with you by going over to your site, which is boss-mom.com. So Dana, Dana, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you. Great stuff, Dana. And as usual, she, if you couldn't tell, she was hinting at pop-up groups and a few other things, uh, the workflow mm -hmm. that her and her team does. I was benefited. And so were many of the social media marketing 
society Society. members by an open office hours about a month ago that she was the guest in. And we did Q and a with her on Facebook groups. If you're in the society, which you really should be, you can go back to that one. If you missed it, it was great. So I just needed to throw that out there. I wanted to make sure people didn't miss that. Um, Speaking of, we've got more news. So we will bring in uh, Madeline here. And while I look for her, I want to remind you of the Facebook Ads Summit 2019 that is coming up soon. It is coming up incredibly soon, actually, and you need to get in now. And again, like I said, I've already given the spiel of all the different reasons why you should be there. And none of those, though, were really going to inform you as you looking it out, looking at it, checking it out on your own, you know, you taking a look at what it is and what it's going to do for you. So in order to do that, go over to socialmediaexaminer.com slash FB19, and that's where you will find all the information you need to register. Jeez. Anyways. All right. Thank you. You'd think I'd do podcast ads for for a living or something. I don't. Maybe. No. (laughs) Madeline, welcome back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. Yes. So Madeline, you are a leading Twitter marketing expert. You host what I think is potentially, or at least in the marketing world, one of the biggest Twitter chats. It's the Twitter Smarter Twitter chat and the Twitter Smarter podcast. Madeline, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I love talking about Twitter. I'm like a Twitter geek. So I'm really excited to share all these exciting new things that are coming. Yeah. So, and uh, you know, I'll just be the first to publicly congratulate you that you already know you're coming back to social media marketing world to speak. I'm so excited. I'm just honored. It'll be my fifth year. Thank you. It'll be my fifth year to speak all about Twitter marketing. So I'm really honored. Yeah. So awesome. So Twitter is testing a lot of things. So we're going to go through a bunch of these different things and kind of test and see, you know, is this beneficial? What does this mean? All of that kind of stuff. So let's just start snapping through it. First off, Twitter is testing, letting users follow topics in the same way that they follow accounts. So this is kind of, when I heard this, I thought, oh, is this kind of like following hashtags on Instagram, where then as you're scrolling through your feed, you see tweets, well, in this case, it would be tweets, but in Instagram, it would be photos and video posts that uh, are part of that hashtag. Uh, This is very interesting to me that this is coming out. I mean, if this rolls out, Madeline, what do you think is going to be the effect as far as the Twitter user experience? I think it's going to be huge. I think it's going to have a huge effect. You know, like an example would be like, you know, we had the World Cup recently and you won't have to know what's the hashtag. And usually there's more than one hashtag or you don't have to worry about who to follow. You could just put in the topic and Twitter is going to put all that in your timeline. And I think this is going to really get Twitter really on board with making conversations more interesting to people, more appealing, especially to new users on Twitter. Because, you know, when you're new to Twitter, you can get on there and it can just be a little too much to look at and not sure how to navigate. So I'm really excited about this. I think this will be a really great big benefit to everyone. I hadn't even thought about that. The, The thing about when you first start, it's like, who should I follow? And, and, and that's right. great 
figuring out who to follow and talk to people, but also like Twitter saying and making it an information or a news network as they, for a while there, they were, I don't know, maybe they still are saying they're not a social network. I don't know. Anyway, that was years ago. Do you remember that when they were saying, yeah, we're not a social network. We're like, what are you talking about? We're, we're like chatting breaking on news. you all day. We're a news network. Right. But yeah. The fact that it can be hard to figure out, okay, what's the hashtag for a thing. And then you can just click follow on the, on the, uh, the topic. And then those things yep. will come through your feed as well. Uh, like for example, the Olympics when it's like weeks long and then when it's done, you just unfollow it. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think this is a great move for Twitter to do right now. They're only testing it for Android users, which is interesting. Usually it's for us iOS people. And so I'm really bummed because I would love to be trying this out right now. And they're right now limiting it just to sports. And I think that's really smart. They're just kind of getting people's feet wet with this to see, you know, how this works for them. Do they like it? I like it just when I read about it. So I think it's a great idea. They plan to expand it to other topics like celebrities and TV shows. Uh, so I'm really uh, interested to see how this is going to play out. And I hope they hurry up and, and make this a, a global release because I'm ready. Yeah. And the tweets that are being featured, you know, under the topic of like, let's say sports, like are they all top, all tweets having to do with sports or is it being curated in any way? It's being curated. So, and I find this really interesting. So Twitter is saying, we're going to curate the individual topics, but we're going to let machine learning take over as far as the tweets. So that'll okay. be interesting to see how that works. I think that's really a smart idea um, because like when you're on Twitter and you see the trending topics, it's whatever's trending, you know, Twitter yeah. does not curate that. They curate moments, but they don't curate the trending hashtags that are going on at any given moment. So mm -hmm. I think this will be interesting to see how this works. And what I like about this is like, let's say you do World Cup or something with football, since it's now football season, that your timeline will have these very specific tweets related to that. And I think it'll be really mm -hmm. interesting. I think it'll make Twitter an even better experience for people. I agree. Well, on the flip side of this, Twitter also announced another test that they're doing where you can snooze specific <laughs> topics as well as notifications on Android devices. So Engadget reported this, although it's been reported uh, pretty widely, but they said that Twitter is experimenting with the option to temporarily unfollow a topic and keep certain tweets out of your timeline. They're testing a snooze feature for notifications. Snoozifications. Well for I, I just dubbed it snoozifications, Grace. <laughs> snoozifications for one, three and 12 hour increments. What's funny? One, three and 12 hour increments. And then uh, test. Uh, and then these are both being tested, of course, on Android devices. So again, you know, following up on our discussion about following topics, do you think muting topics will also improve the, the Twitter experience? I think so. Here's an example. So like, I'm a big fan of that TV show on Netflix called Orange is a New Black. And you know how Netflix yep. is? They just put out all the episodes at once. Well, until you've seen them all, you don't want the spoilers. And every time I would like get on Google uh, just to look through to see what's trending, what topics are out there, every time an article came up with that, it would always have all these spoilers. I had wow. to try really hard to not look at that. And so on Twitter, same thing in any social media, you know, people are talking about it. That's kind of the nature of these things. And so I think this will be a great feature where you could turn off something like that, where, you know, I, I'm interested in TV shows, but I don't want to hear about this particular show right now until I've seen it, then I'll jump on board with the conversation. So I think this is really interesting. I mean, Twitter is trying to think of everything with this. I think mm -hmm. that's really cool. I would love mm -hmm. it if they'd give even longer extended periods of time beyond 
12 hours. Like I'd love to mute a topic for a month or from (laughs) now till after next November for the election or something. Me too. Sign me up. (laughs) Just don't even, you know what the top, you can Twitter, you know what that, that, uh, that tweets about. Just lump it in there with the ones I don't want to see. It's possible yeah. because when we see that that one, three, and twelve hours, when you look at that tweet example that Twitter is showing with that, is to just turn off all notifications for mm. like you know they're saying oh if you're like at the movies and you don't want to get you know interrupted with the little pop up notifications, just tap on this at one hour, three hours, twelve hours. Um, they haven't really explained how they plan to do this with the topics though. I mean they're okay. saying that they're planning to let you mute topics, but they you know this one, three, and 12 hours is specifically for notifications as a whole. Mm-hmm. Well, and you can mute specific words and accounts right, right. now, or you can actually yes. block yes. accounts as well. So and yeah. from now indefinitely or to an infinite amount of time. So snoozing topics is different from muting words, right? Yes. Right. Because if you're muting words or phrases, like they're not going to show up in your timeline at all. You're not going to see them. Whereas this is just like a temporary, uh, you know, if you're going out somewhere and you don't want to be bothered with the pesky notifications. Instead of having to go through your settings and find how to turn it off, you just tap on the, the little button there uh, in your Twitter and you, you pick which number of hours and you're done. And then you can just undo it when you want to get back into the conversation. That's cool. All right. So Madeline, I want to ask this question before we get into this next piece of news. Let's set some context here. How active are you as a Twitter expert in Twitter direct messages? I love direct messages. Now, a few years ago, you would hear me talking about on my Twitter Smarter podcast how I dislike DMs because there was so much spam. There was just so much crap in there. It was terrible. And plenty of other marketing experts, I I remember Maury Smith was on my podcast talking about that as well, that it was just impossible for her to navigate through it with all the spam. But things have really changed in the last few years because Twitter has really cracked down on this. So it has finally made the DM a valuable place for conversation to have your private conversations. I use it all day long. I use it a lot. And a lot of my colleagues are using it. A lot of the big brands using it is really become a bigger thing. So I think that's what makes it great that what we're going to talk about next is like Twitter is really like saying, Hey, we want to make this an even better experience. Yeah. Okay. So that then gives context to they're testing two things. Number one, they're testing filtering on unwanted messages in direct messages, and they are testing a search tool for direct messages. So within your usage of direct messages these days, how do you see these two tools being useful for you or marketers? Well, I love how they want to take DMs that are like, that they think are abusive or inappropriate and put them somewhere where you're not going to see it as soon as you open up your DM inbox. Because like I have my inbox open a lot, you know, and, and like, you don't want these unwanted messages. It, it brings you down. Uh, many times are just so inappropriate. It just makes you want to get off of Twitter. Right. So they want to put it in a place called message requests, kind of like the way Facebook does this. You know, if you get messages from people you don't know, they put it in a separate place. It's a little off to the side. So that's how they plan to do this. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how that works out. It sounds like a great idea. Um, it's just in the testing phase, right? right now with iOS and desktop, some users, not a lot. So we'll, we'll see how that works out, but I I think it'll be great for everybody. 
Yeah, I okay. like how they've got it. They'll they'll have them over to the side or uh, separated out in something called message requests, which again is a lot like Facebook Messenger, where if you're not yes. friends with that person uh, or it seems like it's a bit spammy, like it's not something that's right there in your face in with the rest of your, you know, what's essentially an email inbox on a social network. Exactly. So, so I, I think this is a great feature that that's going to, I'm sure they're going to roll this out really soon because, you know, Twitter has been talking about for years how this problem they're having with, with spam and abusive content, especially with women, you know, so many times women are targeted with just really inappropriate things that makes them not want to use Twitter at all. So I'm glad that they're really addressing this and moving forward. And they're rolling out a search tool as well for direct messages. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited about so this let's talk one. About th- let's talk about this right now. So so um, apparently it confirmed that there's going to be a search part that's already, it's already available for select users on iOS and on the web across the globe. And then it should be rolling out to more users. So basically, I mean, is it's just a search feature for DMs, right? So tell us how it works. Yeah. And I have it on desktop. I don't have it on iOS yet, but I, I have it in desktop. I have to tell you, it's amazing because if you if you do use your DM a lot, you're into doing the direct messages and you might be more inclined to start using it more now that these features are becoming available. It makes it so much easier to go search for a conversation. Now you can't do a keyword search. It's just by name or group. And so, you know, I, I just got it. So I haven't really had a chance to use it much yet, but it's going to save me so much time because I'll, I would have had a conversation with somebody like a month ago. And because I'm using DM so regularly, mm-hmm. it is really hard. Actually, the workaround is it's faster for me to just go to that person's profile and hit the message button from their profile to open oh. up my conversation. So that's something, that's just a great little tip that anybody can do. If you really want to quickly get to a conversation, you're like, I don't remember how long, I don't know how I'm going to find it. Just go directly to their profile. But now with the search bar and it's right at the top, I can just type in the name. And as you're typing, it brings up all of the names. So if I'm like, you know, wanting to to say grace and I just put G, you know, I start with G, it's going to start pulling G, R, you know, it just, real quickly gets me right to you. And this is also great if you use DMs for group conversations. And I do that as well. Like my Twitter Smarter Twitter chat, I have a group of volunteers that help me every week. And so we have an active ongoing weekly conversation when we're prepping. And because I'm using the DMs a lot, sometimes it's hard for me to find it. And because it's a group, I can't just go directly to the Twitter account because there's not, it's a group, it's not an individual person. So Mm -hmm. what was great about this is that I could type in the name of somebody in that group and it brings up that group conversation in the search. Well, you're one better than me because I typically don't remember who said it and then what said, what was said. So so I've I've got to look at, I got every, I got, I need every tool I possibly can get. Cause I'm like, who said that thing? (laughs) It'll be nice if if they would make it keyword, you know, specific in the search. Cause that would be, cause yeah, I'm with you on that because it's like, who did I talk to the, about with that? It's like, you just type in the keyword, but that might be a little too massive for them to take on. I, I don't know how well that would work out, but I think it's great that they're moving in a direction of making Twitter even more user-friendly than it already is. And I think it's going to encourage more people to use it. So there's one last piece of Twitter testing news here. And I'm actually really interested in this one. Um, They're testing being able to receive reply notifications on Android and iOS. And what that means is that essentially... On Twitter, you've got, you know, your notifications on people that you follow and you want to get notifications. In other words, you'd now be able to get 
notifications when people are replying to tweets that you're interested in. This is a lot like Facebook, where if you go in and comment on a post and then you start receiving notifications, you know the drill. Mark mark all, uh, you know, mute notifications for this post so you don't see everybody else commenting if you don't want to get yep. those notifications. It's like that, only being able to possibly turn that on if you want to. And so I think this is actually pretty cool. I think so too. You know, this pretty much came about because I don't know if you guys remember last February, there was this big live uh, Twitter thing going on with Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter being interviewed by Kara Swisher from Recode. So it was, it was like a live Twitter chat almost, but, but she was giving him, tweeting him questions and all he had to do was reply to them. And I tried to watch it live and it was terrible. And he admitted, and she, of course, Kara was like, like talking for days, how bad this was. It was a bad experience. It was hard to keep up with the conversation. So had something like this been implemented for that, it would have made it so much easier to follow along what's being said and to also get notifications when, you know, relevant people are replying because you can have top all or none for for these replies to get notifications for. And so for top, it's going to be the most interesting they're relevant to that, plus the author of the tweet, plus anybody you follow. And that sounds really interesting. And I think it would make for better conversations if you're able to do that. No, I agree. I, I think I'd end up turning this on for not everything, but obviously right. certain's like, ooh, this one's good. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. the, it's, yeah. it's the, there's that gif of Michael Jackson sitting in the theater for Thriller and he's got his popcorn. He's like, you know, and people view that as if <laughs> to show, ooh, I'm sitting here watching the comments like, ooh, interesting. <laughs> so that's, that's what I, that's what that brings to mind is, ooh, I want to, I want to be in, in, I want to see all the comments come back in on this Twitter conversation. <laughs> exactly. So. Well, here's where I think it could be really cool. And I won't really be able to know for sure until I'm able to get my hands on this. But like, you know, I host a Twitter chat every week, Twitter Smarter, right? It's very fast moving. So part of me is like, I don't see how this would work well during a live Twitter chat, but let's say, you really are not able to, you know, follow everything. You know, you're, you're new to it and you just want to see what are people responding to each question. So you could do it for each tweet question. Yeah. So then you can more easily follow along and not mm-hmm. miss. Because a lot of people tell me when they're on a fast moving chat, they they miss a lot. I miss a yeah. lot too because it's happening so fast. But, ha- but you know, I think that if you're able to do this new feature during a chat, I think it could be really interesting. The, what you just said makes me think of this. It goes from then a bunch of people standing around and talking together about the same topic, like a party. That would be how it is now. This would right. be like everybody sitting down and one person coming up to the mic and having it be a Q&A after a session exactly. has ended, to where you can focus in and you can actually hear and cut through the signal to the actual noise and understand what's being said. That's actually brilliant on Twitter's part if they roll this out this way and it works. So I, exactly. So I think it's going to make for better conversations. I think it will allow you to meet more interesting people that you might not normally meet. So I, I'm really excited about this one. I just wish they'd hurry up and, and launch these all for <laughs> everybody now. It's like, I'm ready. <laughs> let's, let's bring it on. Cause I think this is going to make Twitter better. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Madeline, you're always making Twitter better by just continually posting your Twitter chat. And uh, when is it? It's every what day at what time? 
Yeah, the Twitter Smarter Chat is every Thursday at one o'clock Eastern. I've been hosting it every week for four years. And I also have a podcast called Twitter Smarter where I have guests come on and share awesome Twitter tips. And that comes out every Friday. Awesome. Madeline, thanks for being back again. And we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. We've got one last piece of news. This is just a follow-up on something that was, how long ago was this now, Grace? I can't remember. It was probably like, I, I feel like this was announced last year at some point. My, yeah, like my late last year at yeah. some point. So yeah. this is, it, it's basically Facebook's clear history tool. Um, it's now, the the announcement is now that the, the initial rollout of the clear history tool is coming now. So. Yeah. So it's rolling out to Ireland, South Korea, and Spain for right now. So it's still an initial rollout phase. And as promised, this is something that we, I remember, I think we had uh, Amanda Bond on talking about this because the whole thing was that people were afraid that their ads wouldn't work because essentially it takes all your off Facebook activity. So all the apps and websites that send information to Facebook about your activity. You now have the ability to view all of this and clear any information from your account that you don't want. So for instance, if you're online, totally off Facebook, but online looking at a pair of boots, you know, that website would send information to Facebook and suddenly, you know, that you suddenly see ads for those boots, right? And so you have the ability to remove this information from your account and turn off Facebook's ability to store any of this information going forward. So this gives people more transparency and control on what Facebook, along with the recent uh, updates to their ad library as to, you know, what I'm, why am I seeing this ad and the launch of a new feature of why am I seeing this post? So it's just trending towards that where they're trying to give users more control over their information. So again, this is initially rolling out. It's supposed to be available everywhere in the coming months. I'm sure we'll hear more about that, but right now it's still uh, being tested for reliability, usability, and functionality. Just, And I'm curious myself how much the typical Facebook user will want to access this, but who knows? We'll see. Yeah. That is our show. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for listening. Again, everything we talked about in this conversation and in this show can be found in the show notes on Saturday mornings at Social Media Examiner. You can cut right to the chase of finding it by going to socialmediaexaminer.com slash news. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you are not already subscribed. If you're listening to this in a podcast player of choice or on our website, there should be something right there for you to click subscribe or search for social media marketing talk show and then hit subscribe in your podcast subscription or player of choice. And I want to remember to say you got to go over to socialmediaexaminer.com slash FB19 to find out more about the Facebook ad summit. And I want to say thank you to you, Grace, for being a great co-host and show producer. Thank you, Eric, for being a great host. And thank you to Dana and Madeline for stopping by today and spreading their insights and expertise to our audience because they are amazing. And I don't know what we would do without them because I always learn so much. We would do this show for you, but it would be way more boring and then you would run away. So I don't think anyone wants to listen to just our opinions the whole time. We've we've proven that we have the data. So, uh, but that said, (laughs) I want to remind you that next week we will be taking a break 
And the following week, we will be back. You can find out when we're recording and join us live or just subscribe again as a podcast by going to socialmediaexaminer.com slash live show. And with that, we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner, hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored podcast.